Guys, welcome back to the Tree Ups Podcast. I'm your host, Edward McKellar of Old Place Outdoors, and man, am I excited because it is here. Turkey season is officially upon us. It's kicked off down in Florida as of last weekend and is getting ready to fire up in many of your southern states. Right around the corner is youth season here in Virginia on the home turf, and I'm just amped up because it is a special time of year for many of us. And if you're listening to this podcast, then that means you're probably just as excited about it as I am. And so the NWTF uh, Grand National Championship has just wrapped up its uh, most recent show down in Nashville. It celebrated its big 50 this year, and it uh, hosted record numbers of visitors. And um, on the phone tonight, I have a very special guest who was a big part of that show and was able to prevail and bring home the coveted title of a national champion turkey caller. And so on the phone tonight, I've got Real South Outdoors pro staff member and call designer for none other than Primo's Game Calls, and your newest Grand National Calling Champion in the Gobbling Division, Mr. Travis Ham of Lincoln County, Mississippi. And so, Travis, why don't you just say hello and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's going on, you guys? My name is Travis Ham. I work for Primo's Hunting Calls. I design all the calls on the line. I'm also a hunting guide in Mississippi, and I guide in Johnson City, Texas. I've been competing... Oh, well, I've been competing in 2000. I started competing in 2014, and uh, and then I stopped for about two years, and I got and I went full force in it since from 2017 to right now. So, yeah. well, you know, just a little side note. Um, I was, you know, wanted to mention Lincoln County. I think I told you a couple weeks ago when we was talking Lincoln County. That's down my way. I grew up down there like uh walthall and pike county line so not uh not too far from you my daddy actually works there in lincoln county at the um in brookhaven matter of fact so how far is uh the uh primo's plant there in um lincoln county from brookhaven it's about 15 minutes out i got you yep well good deal well um so, well, so, you know, all that said, we was talking about it a little bit before we got to recording, but uh, you, I, I saw, too, you just got, got done in Florida, and I was telling everybody that Florida just kicked off their regular season. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your Florida hunt and kind of give us a little recap. I saw you went down there with your uh, – is that your wife or your uh, fiancé? She's actually my girlfriend. Girlfriend, got gotcha. you. He actually works at Primo's Hunting Calls as well. I got you. What's she do there? She uh, she did a little bit of everything, but right now, fully, she is the she ships all the products out to all the stores in the country. I got you. Well, well, you know, you know, it's kind of a a little bit of a later note that I was going to bring up, but you know, I wanted to dive into that because you know, me, I'm I come from that era where. Primos, I cut my teeth on the Truth series, you know, and that, I I would attribute most of what I've learned about turkey hunting uh, from watching, you know, Will and his gang, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a it's it's I think most most guys would agree it's just kind of played a played a special part in our lives, you know, kind of coming up in the turkey woods, you know what I mean? So it's it's got to be a a great place to work and. Uh, a good good group to work with. I know when I met them, they all seemed like, you know, really really great people to be be around. You know, absolutely. They're they're basically like my family. Very 
family oriented man they anything i need they they're always there to help me and just they're they're like my family it's it's just they're always there for me when I need them. I mean, they're, it's not just the workplace. They're actually like my family. Primo's hunting is part of my family. I heard that. Well, how, how'd you get started with Primo's? Like what, what was kind of the, I mean, did you just uh Well, well you know, there was a, I was uh, actually talking to a lady here in Lincoln County. I don't know if you ever heard of the Daily Leader. They used to be our, our newspaper for uh, Lincoln County. Well, I have the Daily Leader got in contact with me about about that yesterday. You know how did it all get started? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: how just I got with Primos. I was growing up as a little boy. Um, I grew I grew up hunting with my dad. For I've been hunting with him, just going up in the tree stand or turkey hunting with him since I was three years old. But I didn't uh, actually start hunting being able to use a gun until I was about eight years old. That's when I killed my first turkey. Well, I remember when I was in second grade, if that it's around that era, I I was just telling our little kids because I was obsessed with hunting. All I wanted to talk about with my friends and on the playground or in school was hunting. I said, one day I'm gonna be a primos. I will be a primos. I that's what I want to do. And I want to hunt across the country, you know, just, just, just stuff like that, you know, and, and it was just, and I, and I had that mindset, I'm going to work in the hunting industry throughout, throughout uh, my elementary, middle school to high school. I still kept that mindset. Like I wasn't worried about no other job. My job was I want to work in the hunting industry. That's what I want to do. So look, just let this, this dreaming big, you know? Sure. And when my, my parents told me, they said, son, that, that's a slim chance. You might not have get that opportunity. You might need to think about a trade, you know. And I, I, I had no other thought than I'm going I'm to work in the hunting industry. Well, so I ended up thinking of a trade. So I went to school to be a welder, and I graduated college, and I left and went to work for a little while. And after uh, working working in the welding field for a little while, I got diagnosed with cancer, testicular cancer, hmm. in 2004, November 2014. I think it was November, November, December. I got diagnosed, so I had to go have a surgery to remove some of the cancer and what had already spread. I had to go do chemotherapy for the next couple months. Well, after a couple months doing chemo, they uh they finally released me to tell me I can go back to work. Well, they told I, they told me they recommend me not to weld anymore. I uh, said so because of the chemicals that can get, they can cause to give you cancer. I said all right. Well, I got I got to find a new trade now. Where do I go from here? Well, I had a buddy of mine that, that worked at Primo's Hunting. He told me that you know you'd actually be. A, pretty good fit here man i said i think you would you'd do well with us and i said man quit giving me all that mess i thought he was pulling my leg and he said no buddy i'm being serious like you would love you would love it here i said you you would be a perfect fit and i said i said are you being serious with him right now he said i'm dead serious so i was like okay well he told he put a good word into my balls 
And I went up there for a job interview. And then about a couple of days later, they called me and told me I had the job. And I was like, I was just in complete shock because, you know, what I was just saying as a little boy, I wanted to work in the hunting industry. Like, that is my that is my dream job. Well, yeah. that dream job came to reality. Sure. So I said, but reality of it, it's a lot more to it than what you think, man, building calls and all that. But let me tell you, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I love it. So it's actually just as dreamy as I could imagine building calls, man. Huh. But I will say, going on, I start off production line, just building, just sanding, building whatever calls that was wood on the line. And then I got promoted to being a spray man. Well, during when I was into the spray and I got into competition calls. So I started practicing and then uh, I went to a little contest and then a judge noticed me and he told me, you know, you, you have the talent to be a competition caller. How would, let me be your, let me be your teacher and I'll teach you everything you need to know to, to get your foot in the door. And I said, yes, his name was Dennis Neal. So we became very good friends and he taught me throughout the, throughout the uh, months and then months and now it's years now. He still, even though he told me he don't, he don't, um, I don't need him anymore, but I'm always going to need him no matter what because he was my teacher. He was my teacher and he's like my family to me. So, but carrying on, so when I started winning contests, that our primos noticed it and they wanted me and I, they asked me to build some calls for them. So I built some calls for them and they liked them and they wanted me to be their new designer, like design their mouth calls for them. So I said, okay. So I designed, I designed the hen house series and I helped out with the uh, PS series as well. So I've designed uh, 10 calls so far since I've been with Primo's hunting. But when I'm not designing, I'm I'm actually building turkey calls on the line from anything from the hook series. I build the what I just named off the PS series, the hen house series, true doubles. I mean, I'm, I I build them all. So when, when I'm not designing, I'm building turkey calls. So my full time career, that's what I do. I build turkey calls 365 days out of the year. And let me tell you, somebody, I love it. Hmm. I, to me, it's not a job. If, if you if you love if I love if you love something if you love your job so much you're not that's not considered as work to you you'll never have to work another day in your life so to me in my in my eyes I never have to work another day in my life again because I love what I do man I heard that I you know I say that a lot on this podcast it seems that like the guys that I talk with it's uh, it comes up a lot that you know the if you're doing something you love then you will not you know, work a day in your life, it, you know, you're getting up and you, every time you, your feet hit the ground, you're just ready to, to get back at it, you know, and I think that's important. It's uh, definitely important to find your calling, you know what I mean? And I think what you went through probably helped you to kind of even reflect on that and know uh, to, to go after, you know, something uh, that, that was more of your calling, if you know what I'm saying. So, but um, how, how many calls? Go ahead. I think that was the Lord leading me to where he, he knew where I was meant to be. You know, and, you know, 
here's the thing, man. I mean, everybody has a talent, a special talent. You know, don't don't think of this, of this as a bragging bragging or whatever, man. But you know, I didn't I didn't even know I had this talent. I didn't know I had the talent to be a competition caller. I didn't know I had the talent to build some of the uh, some of the best selling calls. You know, and it, it's a honor, it's a humbling honor feeling, man, that, you know, people, these calls that I designed and I helped build, people are buying them and blowing them, then they put them on YouTube or they brag about on Facebook. It, it, it makes me feel good knowing that was my design and people are blowing them and hunting with them. You know, it's a really good feeling, you know? For sure. I, I bet. I mean, like, I got to ask you, like, because I think a lot of a lot of folks say it, it's easy to think that you know, a mouth call, for example, that it's just kind of stamped out from a machine. But um, if you know anything about the construction of them and what goes into it, there's there's not really any kind of machine that can just pump that out. There's some things that have definitely come a long way that make it a little bit more um, seamless, but it's still, uh, you know, you're they're more or less, they're handcrafted. And so I got to ask you, how many... Yeah like on a daily basis are you pumping out oh about four or five hundred a day whoo yeah that's that's some serious numbers guys and i'm not the only one that's doing it either wow see i don't build just i mean i do everything i do from from anything from you know putting reeds together putting cuts and them there's all kinds of different uh we have a little department everybody some some people might be putting cuts in some of them might be building them, some of them might be taping them. So it's a team effort, and it's a lot of work. I mean, this ain't like watching Duck Dynasty and the guys are sitting together around the table and just blowing duck calls. It's a process. It's mm-hmm. a big process. And it's, it's a lot harder than what you think, than what you're watching on Duck Dynasty. You know, that's just a reality TV show. But behind that show, I promise you it's a lot harder than you think, especially and that that's how it is at Primo's in reality. It's hard work. Oh yeah, I I can only imagine. I mean the, like I said the the, I guess the meticulousness that goes into putting a mouth call together. It's uh, a, a lot of times it's easy to stand there in the store and look at all of them on the shelf and think that there's probably some uh, machine just pumping them out by the hundreds, but that is not the case and for the most part. I don't know what Primos no, per no, se has, but all, uh, most call companies. They're all hand pressed by everybody. They all do it. I mean, I don't. I don't know of any machine that does that. It's all hand built. Yep. So I know we hand build them for sure. We do. So and it's greatest thing. It's coolest thing is we build them here in Mississippi and it's U.S. made. It ain't from China. That's right. And I tell you what, there's uh, fewer things in this world that I love more than Mississippi. I. Um, I, Mississippi's home to me and I brag about it often. I was actually, uh, I was picking up my, my daughter from uh softball practice tonight and somebody had an old Miss sweater on and I started to get out the truck and go over there and say, Hey, what, what you doing? You know, cause I, I always got to figure out where that, uh, you know, where that connection is. Like, is there somebody else up here near me from the SIP, you know, but anyways, mm-hmm. ain't nothing like Mississippi. So, and, uh, I always brag about it too, because that's where you know, like I said, Primos, Mossy Oak. There's just so many, um, so many of your big outdoor companies. And, you know, that's that's the heart of the outdoors, in my opinion. So, but. Mm-hmm. oh, absolutely, man! I, it's 
it's a, like I said, I've grown up as a little boy, you know, people, there is dreams you can follow. You can follow your dreams. Don't ever give up on your dreams. It can be anything you want, you know. When my parents told me, you know, that's a slim chance, and I just kind of just gave up hope, but, you know, but at the very end, I knew I was, it was meant to be, because my dreams have came true, and I'm still living my dreams today, and I'm blessed, and I'm honored, and I thank the Lord above for giving me the opportunity to live the dream, to live my dreams, so, you know, it's, you can, anybody that has a dream about something, they can turn it into reality and make a very good career out of it, for sure. If that's where their heart desires, they'll be very successful at it. I heard that. Well, you know, well, let's let's kind of unpack that a little bit because, you know, talking about your big recent feat with the uh, Grand National Champion for the Goblin Division, you know, you said, mm-hmm. right, let's talk about your journey in competition a little bit. And I just want to know, like, you know, you kind of touched on when you got started and everything, but I, you know, it. You don't just walk into the NWTF in Nashville and say, "Hey, I, I want to get up on the stage and show everybody what I can do." So, I mean, let's uh, let, let's let everybody know kind of the the journey it took and how long it took to get to a place where you know you were getting on the big stage. You know. Well, it's. Like I said, it started, it, I, I really kicked it off in 2017. And I will tell you, I learned the hard way. I thought, you know, in my mind, I got this. This ain't no, this, I, I believe I, this won't be no problem. This will be easy foot in the door. No, sir, buddy. It's, I learned very quickly, these boys here, they can call. Oh yeah. So <laughs> if and, you think you can call, just just jump on YouTube and watch the Grand National Championship because you'll be humbled real quick. <laughs> I promise you, people that think they're the best callers in the world, some of them will watch some videos or watch a competition call, and they're like, "Dang, I thought I was the best," or "Dang, I got I need to practice more." You know, yeah. it, it it changes you very quickly. For sure. And I will say, man. I'll tell you what, what helped me the most succeed, like building my success in winning turkey calling contests. It's not listening to other top callers. It's listening to actual wild turkeys, real wild turkeys, especially the gobblers, you know, because how I won the goblin division. Well, there's some, there's, and there's, let me tell you something, there's some boys up there that can gobble. But, you know, my strive was to sound like a pure, wild Eastern. Like, I I put in so many hours building so many calls, trying to get that right stretch, trying to get the right funnel, trying to, I mean, something that will just give that rattle, that deep gobble, just like when you turn your head, you, you, would, you would hear a wild Eastern. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, I've hunted other states. For wild Easterns, I've hunted Missouri, I've hunted West Virginia, I've hunted Georgia. I will tell you this, buddy. I ain't heard the first Eastern that that is loud like a Mississippi Wild Eastern. So I studied Mississippi Wild Eastern more than anything because they have the loudest gobble. And them judges, they love that Mississippi Wild Eastern gobble because that's probably the most loudest gobble they've ever heard, and it echoes. Yeah. So, because that's what they, that's what you call a true thunder 
chicken because when they gobble, it's thunder.
So I will be uh, heading to the World Championships in Mobile, Alabama, June, I think it's right, June 9th and 10th, doing the Goblin Senior and the Owl Division. So, and possibly, maybe, uh, I'm trying to think what that's called. Uh, head, uh, not head to head. It's called Team Challenge. There you go. We're, me and another guy called, we're putting a scenario together for the judges. So I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully we'll see how it turns out, man. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think, you know, the Grand National Championship is it's what I would consider the best of the best. And, you know, you that uh, that showdown in Alabama, I've heard a lot about it, too. There's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of your key players show up for that one. And it's it's a big show, too. And but to be on those stages, you know, can't emphasize enough. It's uh, it's definitely the uh, it's the it's the apex of you know, competition calling, and it's a whole nother level, you know, when it, when it comes to calling in turkeys, you know, I, I hear a lot of times. I will tell you, man, the national, see, that people don't understand the difference between the world championships and the national. See, a world championships is basically like a playoffs on a football game Hmm. in the the NFL. The grand nationals is the Super Bowl. Like, that's the godfather of all turkey calling contests. So, I mean, it's a, the world is big, too. Don't get me wrong. Yes, that's a big deal because it's the world championships, but the Nationals is the godfather. For sure. So, it's a, that's where all the best of the best in each category is there. You are going against head-to-head with the number one callers in each state, maybe even Canada, all over. They're competing. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's a, that's a big deal, you know. For sure. And I'm just old. I'm just old Mississippi boy. Just loves the turkey hunt and work for a game call company. Try to produce calls, you know. Just won a goblin championships, and it's just. I mean, I'm just I'm honored. It's a, it's a blessing, man. And I I give I give God all the praise for that, you know. I get I think all my sponsors, Primos Hunt and Mossy Oak and Real South Hunt. Without them and my and my family support me throughout the years and competing, if it wasn't for them, you know, with their support and push me, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have done as well as I thought as as that came out if uh, if it wasn't for their support. I heard that. Well, so let's let's step back a little bit, and I I got to ask you that first competition. Do you? I mean, I'm sure you remember it, but uh, stepping up on that stage and you'd never done it before because you know I think a lot of turkey hunters who you know, they've probably advanced with their call and they've probably kind of given thought to it. But, you know, stepping up on that stage, do you, you know, tell us a little bit about that when you, that first time you took it and were you, I mean, was it a goblin competition or what were you competing for that time? Man, I didn't really know how to gobble down at that time. <laughs> <laughs> like dead serious, man. I did senior open. I was in Gonzales, Louisiana. Dude, my nerves was shooting through the roof dude like you have no idea i was nervous and there was only seven callers in that division that that day and i wound up placing fourth place out of those seven callers i said well that's a start yeah so and i i was still learning how to do the cadence i was still learning a lot you know i mean yes i knew what turkey sound like but you know i paid attention a little bit to cadence but i didn't pay enough attention to understand how the calling contest goes and you know after and then i went to another contest in mississippi my next one 
they was 19 callers in that one. I was dead last, man. Hmm. So I was a little butthurt a little bit, but, you know, it made me want to practice more, and I learned what I needed to do and what them judges wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. They wanted to hear turkey. They wanted to hear a scenario. They wanted to hear the cadence. So, you know, every contest I went to, I learned, and I learned more. When I went to Grand Nationals, I definitely learned a lot, especially watching the greatest turkey callers of all time. So I knew right then what I needed to do. So, you know, people that now get in the calling contest, I mean, don't expect, you know, to win right off the bat. No, that's that, that's going to be a tough one. But you will learn so much, and not just from the contest, but it will help you improve your way, your calling in the woods to make your hunting more successful and sounding more realistic. And that's from coming from listening to real wild turkeys. Yep. You listen to wild turkeys, you learn the cadence, you learn – how to use those unique sounds each hen does from an eastern Osceola, Rio to Miriam, your success will go up a lot higher than you think. Sounded more realistic. Yeah. And that's where I come in with a quote. I always tell people, this is a quote I always say. When you go in the woods, don't go as a turkey hunter. Go in there as a turkey. That's what I always tell people. Meaning by going there as a turkey, be as realistic as you can be. Be 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 as real and sound as real as a wild turkey, and your chances will be a lot higher than what you think. For sure. Well, you know, you whether it's call, you know, whether it's call making, uh, competition calling, or even turkey hunting, I think it's all a journey. And, um, you know, you don't, you know, you touched on that with the competition aspect. It's like, you're going to screw up so many more times than you, uh, win. And, uh, and it's just a journey, you know, you get out there and you just got to learn and learn from your mistakes and kind of improve each time. And like you said, you know, you get better and better each time. And the next thing you know, it's like, you're, you're up on that big stage, uh, taking the top place, you know, and. Um, I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. I was excited when I saw it and just really amped up to have you on here tonight to talk about it, you know, but, uh, the, so you said that when you first started competing, you didn't have, or you didn't really gobble, but so how'd you kind of like, I guess, start moving into that? Did you, um, I mean, I mean, what, what, cause that's, that's a pretty tough call to pull off. You know, a lot of, uh, even advanced callers can't gobble with a mouth. Uh, do you use mouth callers at natural voice? Mount, I use mouth calls. Gotcha. I thought that I caught that earlier, but uh, so how'd you? I mean, you just started practicing doing it and got better and better and better. Is that kind of the journey that? Yeah, I mean, it took me a lot to figure out, and I just started playing with, the, with some calls a little bit, and then I just kept saying the word or saying the word learning how to get that rollover sound yep. using a certain type of cut to make that tucker, 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 tucker. So, and I figured it out, and I went, in my first goblin contest I went to, after I learned, I placed third place. Hmm. So I was like, okay, well, those judges like that. Well, the yeah. guy that won first place was a grand national champion the year before. He got with me, and he told, and he kind of told me what I need to do and get started. Mm-hmm. I'm like on how to actually help improve it. And he did. And he, he showed me exactly what to do. And right off the bat, dude, I was able to gobble. Hmm. 
But, you know, I started gobbling in these contests, dude. I didn't really place in. I mean, I don't, I've never placed first, and I've always placed second or third throughout the couple of years. And I finally won my first goblin. When was that? I'm trying to think on top of my head. I went to, we went to wildlife supper one time. It wasn't no NWTS sanctions. They did a goblin contest. I won that one, but that's not really counting towards like a NWTF contest. My actual first that I won a goblin contest, I believe was in 2021. I believe, I think that's correct. I mean, I might've won one before then. I've dude, I've, I've placed in so many in competitions and throughout them seven years, I, I can't even think right on top of my head how, uh, how many titles I have. But yeah. I mean, I've got, I've, I earned, earned a lot of titles, you know? Yeah. So, oh, uh, that was, I believe it was 2021 when I got my first goblin title. Well, well, let me ask you this. That, uh, so there's a few different techniques on goblin and, um, it, it sounds like you just, kind of keep the call in your mouth in the traditional manner i know that's one way and then you uh do the tucka 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 or and then there's other way where you kind of do the um the the rabbit teeth but like is what what's your you just kind of hold it in your mouth the traditional way is that the way you do it yes sir just just like i'm blowing like anybody blowing a regular mouth call man you know yeah that's a tough way to do it i reckon i will i'm gonna get my my call wet real quick Uh, (laughs) oh See, this certain call I'm using, it has to get a little bit more damp and wet for it to actually roll over look really good. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this while you're getting that, that set. With the call, I didn't know we was going get to uh, get a demo here, but with that being said, do you make a special call that you gobble with for your competitions, or is this one that Primo's actually uh, produces? Well, and last year i placed third runner-up i used the ps4 call that we have on the line this is the one i that's the one i used but what i won grand nationals with this year i i built a personal one for myself i got you i'm hoping in the near future i can turn that into like a call we can sell on the line in the near future yeah i got a buddy he he actually can gobble quite well with um and and he's not honestly he can't yelp he can't do a whole lot of other stuff all that great but he does a great job gobbling with, uh, and I believe it's the Limb Hanger uh, series, but it's, um, and I don't remember which one it was, but he, he can make a hell of a gobble with it for sure. So, um, but I've never, I've never been able to really produce one. Uh, you know, I'm anxious to hear it. So I'm looking forward to you cutting loose with one here in a second. Well, I guess I'll do it right now. Like I said, I ain't got my funnel on me, so I'm going to do it by hand. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to see what I can do for you. I'm going to say the word tuka. Tuka, 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 tuka. And I'm going to spell it out T O O K A H. Tuka, 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 tuka. Tuka, 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 tuka. And then when I say that, I speed. That's how I learned to gobble. And then I learned to speed it up and try to sound more like a, a, a wild Mississippi Eastern. Mm hmm. I'm doing a Jake Elf on a gobble in there. Oh, yeah. 
Getting us fired up. <laughs> Good stuff. Now, if you really want to sound like a Jake, when you say the word hookup, say it. Say the word tuka 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 slower, because you know when that Jake still, because you know people don't understand a Jake as a juvenile gobbler. It's like a toddler learning how to talk. Well, it's the same with the Jake. So. That's how they learn. They they do their yelps, and then when they get into that goblin, it don't sound like a fire, a full grown eastern like. So it's more of a half, a half of a gobble. So this this is the the way they do it. don't notice my gobble wasn't as long as a gobbler yep i shorted it up because that's a that's a jake learning how to gobble mm-hmm. so good I stuff do a lot of studying buddy i do a lot of studying and I, I i keep up with these birds everywhere for see i hunt all over the country too so sure very for and i'm very fortunate to be able to do that and then learn from all these different subspecies of the wild turkey, especially the four, because I've already completed my single season grand slam twice, and I and you know my pl- I wasn't planning on doing another grand slam this year, but my little red my redhead of mine, I'm talking about my girlfriend Rebecca Myers, she said I want to complete my grand slam as, as well. I want to do a single season. All right. I was like, and she said you're gonna do one with me. I was like, oh buddy, mm-hmm. so. I guess I'm on board, man. I'm gonna go ahead and do another single season Grand Slam this year. I've already done done got my Osceola, so I said I'm gonna might as well go ahead and try to get the three other species and make it a third single season Grand Slam if the Lord willing. Yeah, that that's the tough one to get right there. And I tell you what, though, if you got if you got a woman that wants to turkey hunt with you, it's a keeper for sure. But uh, so oh, I, she she's just as passionate about it as I am, man. For sure. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, is um you know we kind of got on that a little bit but let's talk about you know i want to know uh for one i know mississippi season is like y'all are just like days away from it right i mean what is it about a we week out open up march 15th that is on a wednesday yep so we're about just under a week you guys are opening up so i'm sure i'll be seeing one uh flopped on a tailgate or something here pretty soon on your facebook but uh I'm now little... you season you season opened up yesterday. There's a few birds birds the kids that done put on the tailgate already. I heard that. I I tell you what, man, that youth season that that's kind of gotten to where one of the I, I long for that one more than anything. Getting the kids out there, it's nothing like getting out there with the youngins. So, but um, absolutely. I'm I'm praying. See my little girl. I done got her a shotgun, and our plans. I was hoping, you know. She's still kind of gun shy. I mean, I was like that when I was her age. I was, you know, I was hoping, you know, that she'll shoot it and she'll want to go turkey hunting. Well, she still got a little gun shy, and, you know, I didn't pressure her. I said, it's okay. Whenever you're ready is when you're ready, baby. So And so I'm not pressuring my kid to go turkey hunting. But she loves to go turkey hunting. She loves to go. She just, she loves to go with me when I go. It's just, she just, she just a little gun shy, but I but I know the fire's in her. If we can get her not scared of a gun, I doubt we'll be able to keep her out of the woods, man. I heard that. What? How old is she? 
She will be eight years old June 17th. Oh, yeah. Well, she's right there about ready. I, my my um, my my girls were about that age when I, I got them going because, like you said, they were, uh, you know, they really got to be able to control the gun. And you want them to be able to make a good ethical shot. And um, But I remember my uh, – I, I got to tell you the story now. And um, But my middle daughter um, and my, my oldest daughter, she killed one. Yeah, it was it is a funny story too, but this one here always stands out because we had been sitting in a blind. You know, blinds are great for kids, and um, we had sat in a blind all morning, had turkeys. You know, one of them was marginal; probably could have got a got a crack at him, but I was just I just knew he was gonna come on closer, but he didn't. And so we were peeling out, and I was like, "All right, well, we just call it a day," you know. And uh, spotted two gobblers back in the back of this field, and you know she you know she's got a childlike mindset so she's like well can't we just walk up there and take a shot at them i said well it ain't quite that easy but i said we can give them a try you know and so i said you're gonna have to listen to me though so we eased in there though and i kind of you know slipped in the back door and i hit them with the box call and both of them gobbled and uh i was like oh yeah here we go and no blind no decoys nothing i mean this was just as old school as it gets and uh walked on in there about another 20 yards or so and I threw the mouth call in and I threw a couple yelps at them. They hammered back and I just grabbed her up and I, I, you know, I sat down up against the tree like I was hunting and just plopped her right between my legs and had her lean up against my chest there. And, and I could see the gobblers as they started approaching. And I don't think she saw them until they come up out of this little ravine. And, um, mm. when they popped up there and I saw them, I said, well, you pick any one you want and you shoot them. And she had this little 410 that I had when I was probably of her age, you know, and uh, had some apex loads in there, and she popped one of them. And man, I tell you what, I was so excited. But later on that day, she said, "She said I didn't know what was going on until the gobblers popped up on that hill, but I knew something was going down because I could feel your heart just pounding up against the back of my chest or my uh, up against my back, you know." And but I was, man, I was just cranked up with with that because it's like, I mean, we you know what it does for us, but when your kid gets a shot, it's just nothing like it, you know. So. You'll I'm see soon. <laughs> one day, man. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty fired up about it. See, my daddy, when he did that with me, basically after when I killed my first turkey, he was just all excited and all that. And he ended up giving up all his turkey season just for me. He didn't kill a bird for about 12 or 13 years. Hmm. And, you know, he finally came on board and finally got his first bird in a long time when I was in college. When I finally got into college and... I never told him he couldn't go hunt or nothing, but he just wanted me to kill him. But I'm going I'm to tell you a story. You know, I finally can say I caught up a bird for my daddy. This one you will like. You know, I've hunted. I've been I've been turkey hunting for 22 years. Well, going on in 2021, made made 20 years. I did it. Well, of all the years, you know, he he's worked so much. I'm off. So the little time he had off. He, instead of going home to be with my mom and sister, he wanted to come. He just wanted to come spend time with me and hunt with me. So he came down there and he already had all his gun, his camo and all that. And he, uh, he came and, um, we, uh, we went to go find us a Rio Grande turkey and we were riding on a rhino. We stopped and walked a little bit and I, I hit the box call one time and a gobbler hammered. So we went right to him, and I forgot because I didn't look at my onyx, but that high fence was right there. 
that gobbler was on the other side of that high fence on a public road now. Hmm. So, but we couldn't see the public road because it was so thick through all the cedar trees and all that, the small little cedar trees. So I told Daddy, I said, let's, I bet you I can get this gobbler to fly over this high fence. He said, son, that turkey's not going to fly over a fence. I've never seen a turkey even go under a fence, fly over a fence, or even cross a creek back at home. I said, well, Daddy, we're in Texas. Mm-hmm. I said, these are, this is a totally different species. I said, this might be different. Let's give, let's, let's try it. He just said, all right, we'll give it a try, but he's not going to fly over. I was like, let's just try it. So we sat down. He was just taking his time. He had no hope. I yelped at the, at the Rio. He cut me off right there. I said, Daddy, he's got some interest. He's coming. Not even five seconds later, that turkey flew over that fence. I said, Daddy, he just flew over the fence. He's coming right now. He said, he did not fly over the fence. He didn't see him. So I said, I just saw him. He just flew over the fence. He's coming. And I yelped again. He hammered. I said, he's right there. He's right there. He's coming. And he just shook his head. And 15 seconds later, that turkey came running full speed, running full speed at us through all that cedar and came right in front of me. I said, Daddy, he's right there in front of you. He came 10 steps right in front of my daddy before he picked his head up. And he grabbed that gun and put it on his head and killed him right there. And and I went and picked up the turkey and brought it to him because I was his first Rio Grande. And he was right there just smiling, laughing. I said, so, Daddy, turkeys don't fly over fences? <laughs> he just said, he, he was just kind of embarrassed. Like, it was, it was funny, but he just said, man, I feel dumb now. <laughs> Where, where's your daddy? Is he down in, like, Brookhaven area? Yes, we're all in the cabin area. I got you. Yeah, my my dad wasn't a, a real big turkey hunter. I've uh, after I kind of got into it a bit, I I did the same thing, and we we went out and got on a. Um, I mean, it's been years ago now, but we got on a bird, and uh, I mean, he was just hammering his tail off, and uh, one snuck in the back door, and uh, you know, we were kind of looking at looking one direction for a bird to come in, and. Um, I looked over and there was another gobbler staring at us and I was like, Daddy, there's a gobbler right there. I was like, shoot that one, you know, because I was, you know, I was still kind of, you know, green at it myself then. I was, I didn't care. I was, you know, you know what I mean? I was, I was wanting to leave with a bird. So I got him his first gobbler. I was pretty proud of that moment. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good feeling, you know, for your teacher, you know, that taught you how to turkey hunt or, you know, just anybody. And you turn around and get to call the bird for the person that taught you how to turkey hunt, your teacher. And let me tell you, there is no better feeling than that, man. It really ain't, especially from on dad. I actually got to call up a bird for my daddy, and that was that was awesome. I mean, I, that was it was even though it was a Rio Grande turkey, but to me, it meant the most because you know I called him up just for my daddy. Oh yeah, well, ain't so, no better feeling. No, absolutely. I mean. I think any time the thing about it is, is I think the um, you know the turkey woods is just a special place anyways, and when you get to share it with people that you you know you care about, and you know it's just just ain't nothing like it. I mean, if you it uh, if you don't get it, we can't be friends, is the way I see it. So <laughs> uh, that's the best way I can put it. You know, I think most people can understand if you're listening to this podcast and you you get it. You know. But, um, well, what, what other, uh, so I know, 
I, I'm sure you got several of them lined up. I've got uh, my first hunt won't be until I think it's around the 9th or 10th of April. Of course, we got youth season just before that, and I'll be getting out there with the, some kids, but I won't get to drop the hammer until the next week. And I say drop the hammer, but um, but I'll be starting out in Alabama. And uh, what, what you got lined up, though, for the year? Well, of course, I'm going to kick it off here in Mississippi next Wednesday. And then either the next week or the 1st of April, I'll be heading to Alabama as well to go turkey hunt with a buddy of mine. And then I'm uh, then I'm heading to Texas because you know how I guide in Texas. I got some clients. I got a guide down there for a few weeks. Then I'm going to leave from Texas. And me and my buddy, Damon Blakely, we're going to head to Kansas. We're going to head up Kansas. We're going to leave from Kansas, go to Nebraska, leave from Nebraska, and we're going to go on to Missouri. And then when I come back home the two another two weeks, I'm going I'm to run my leg to Kansas as well, let her get a Rio. We're going to leave from there, and I'm going to stop back in Nebraska so she can kill her Nebraska bird because she's got, she's got a tag. We're going to leave from there. We're either going to South Dakota or Wyoming. So she can fill her um, Miriam. Well, we both can fill our Miriam tags. So uh, that's the that's the plan for completing both of our single season grand slams together. There you go. Hopefully, well, um, anything for her so she can complete her first one because you know she finally killed her. She she's already killed an eastern because she's turkey on all life, but she's never hunted out of state. She got to kill her uh, her uh, her first Osceola. And buddy, them hooks was an inch, seven sixteenths, with an eight inch beard. He weighed nineteen pounds. That's wow. big for an Osceola. Oh yeah, that's a heavy one. The um, the, um I lost my train of thought there, but the um, oh Nebraska. I wanted to ask you about Nebraska. That have have you hunted in in Nebraska yet? This will be my third year going this year. Okay. What, what part of Nebraska do you go to? I hunt all over from from the southeast corner all the way to the northwest. I got you. Well, I I just want to mention that, like, um, my first time traveling west was Nebraska, and um, I was sitting there trying to figure out where. I was like, I want to go somewhere and, you know, head out there and get a, a Merrim or, you know, Rio and trying to figure it out. And I read a quote online that, it said that if God made a, a, a heaven for turkey hunters, it would be uh, north central Nebraska. And so I knew right then and there that that's where I was going. I said, you know what? That's all I need to read. I'm just going to head to Nebraska because I had read enough about it anyways. And uh, and I tell you what, buddy, it did not disappoint. Does, uh, does Nebraska, is it still a three-bird state or is it only two now? Two birds now. It's okay. two birds. I got you. I didn't know if they had changed it or what, but when I was out there, you could do three birds, and so I, if I recall correctly, or yeah, you could uh, you could uh, take them all in in one sitting, one if night. I remember. Not no more. They changed it to one bird a day. Okay. I will say about Nebraska. Every time I went, I'm gonna tell you a story in a second. I've tagged out every time I've been out there, man. I did exactly what you did. Like literally two days before, it was almost memorial. It was Memorial Week going on into the week. It was actually Memorial Weekend. I decided to leave on a Thursday. No, I left on a 
think it was a Thursday. I left on a Thursday, and I, I drove through the night. I left at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. Think about from Mississippi all the way to Nebraska. That's a long drive. Oh, yeah. I left at 3, 3 o'clock in the evening. And drove through the night, and I made and just never stopped other than get gas and food. And I made it to Nebraska about ten o'clock that morning. I wasn't even in Nebraska thirty minutes. There was a field full of turkeys, and there was a house right there. I went up to that person. And I knocked. I went up to that house and I knocked on the door. I told that person where I was from, and I told him I said. I know she got a field full of turkeys right over here. It's about 150 yards over here. If it's okay with you, I didn't know um, if I could maybe shoot one of them, if that's okay with you. He said, uh, if you go out there, kill every one of them. I said, mm -hmm. thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So I, I left my vehicle at his house, and there was a wood line, a small wood line, and I hit that wood line and started walking it, and I, and I sat down and immediately as soon as i called they gobbled and they came in quickly and i was able to i was fortunate to kill one of them right then right there i wasn't even in nebraska 30 minutes and i mm. don't have one killed yeah so i said i said that is all this is fun right here this ought to be good oh, yeah. well i went to this piece of i, I went and i looked on my on x and i found a piece of public and i said i'm gonna go hit this public up and i looked and I, dude, I didn't even scout. I just pulled up to it, and I said, this is where it, it was getting late kind of already. I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to come back in the morning. I looked at the map. I said, I'm going to go to that tallest hill right over there, and I'm just going to sit here and just listen in the morning. And just this will be a starting point for me. So I went back, got a room. Early morning came. I got my vehicle and hauled tail over to that WMA, and I went to that tallest hill. And I just sat there and listened. And I started hearing the songbirds going off and the whimper wheel was going off. Before we know it, I heard a turkey gobble. I was like, I'd be dogged. Look, this is luck. This is pure luck right here. I, went, I didn't even walk 100 yards and heard one gobble. And I was starting to hear, <laughs> I was here multiple. I thought I done hit the mother load. Yeah. So I, w I went over there and I said, these birds have probably been pressured. So. This probably ain't gonna be no walking park right here. So I went and set up on the first bird, and he gobbled. And I started yelping. He cut me off right then. I was like, "Okay, this is okay." Well, about another fifteen minutes later, I just yelped a little bit. That gobble sounded closer. I waited about five minutes. Yelped again. That gobbler was forty-five yards in front of me over a hill and five seconds later he popped that head up and came right in at 30 yards and i lined that beat up on him and knocked him down i was like heck yeah this is some fun stuff yes sir While i was skimping that bird out went back to the room and got me some sleep i said i'm gonna take me a nap and hunt this evening while i was so tired from that over from driving overnight that night i didn't get my four hours of sleep well i wound up going to sleep about 10 o'clock that evening I mean, it's 10 o'clock that morning because I, I got done quick and came back and just said, I'm going to give me a nap. I didn't wake up at 8 o'clock that night. I was exhausted. I was like, well, crap, I just wasted a day. Oh, well, so I got up and went back to the same public. Same turkeys went off. I found one in particular I wanted, and I chased him down for two miles. He would not stop for nothing. Hmm. Well, I just did a really strong cut. Cut, 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 cut. 
and he cut me off and he stopped and I caught his interest. Hmm. And I went over this hill, went down another hill, and he was down in that, in that valley. Well, I started yelping and uh, he, he started gobbling and all of a sudden he decided to run up that hill. I said, you know, I'm going to run up that hill with him. And I got up in some tall grass and I started uh, yelping on the same hill. I don't know how he didn't see me, but I got in that tall grass. I started yelping and all I could hear was a gobble and all I heard then, hmm. I was like, he was right there. And I saw a redhead and I threw my gun up, shot and killed him right there. And, I, and ever since that trip, man, Nebraska has had my heart. And this was Memorial Weekend. And you would have figured them gobblers been, uh, ain't got yeah, no, been beat uh, up. Hands of bread, the gobblers are done. No, sir, buddy. Them gobblers were fired up looking mm. for some love still. You know, I, I was, ever since, go ahead. I'm, I'm, hooked on I'm hooked on Nebraska, and I'll be going to Nebraska. If Lord willingly, I would be going to Nebraska every year for the rest of my life, man, because it's, it's got my heart. And this is what I tell people. They ask me, how easy is Nebraska? Well, my brother-in-law works in Nebraska. He does energy windmill. He has some corn. He has some corn for, in the back of his truck. He was throwing corn out to these turkeys, these hybrids. Mm-hmm. And one of them came out of his hand and got eaten out of his hand. And he had he had a hunting license as well, but he got that bottle pen hammer and knocked across the head and killed it. <laughs> this was years ago now. We're talking about 15 years ago. Knocked in the head with a bottle pen hammer. That kind of tells you what you're walking into when you hunt Nebraska turkeys. Oh, yeah. it's it, it. I always tell people, you know, heading out west is just like, there, there's just so many of them. And kind of like going back to what you said, a, a lot of times it's a nuisance. Like, I remember my first time in Kansas, it was like, um, you know, you'd be riding down the road and it, I, imagine a place like, you know, two minutes outside of Brookhaven there where, um, you know, you got what what you could call subdivision, so to speak. And, um, and I'm sure you've seen it too, though, but there's, there's houses every hundred yards or so. And you'll look and you'll see three or four hens with a big old gobbler in full strut and somebody's flower bed, and you're just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's different place over there, man. There's just so plentiful, and uh, I, I always tell people, it's like, you got you got to try it one time in your life. Just get out there and get after them, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, my first time, we, we rolled in, into Nebraska, and um, it was like, um, I don't know, we went through... We came through Illinois and everything. We we left uh, Kentucky and uh, rode into Nebraska, but went through like a tornado and got there. And uh, um, the next morning, we or the the first morning there, we woke up and it was like I bet it was 50, 60 mile an hour winds and uh, and cold. I'm talking about like it was. Uh, bone chilling cold and i was like man this ain't turkey weather you know we might as well just stay back at the cabin you know what i mean and uh but we got on out there and sure enough even in all that wind that bird was down in that little valley gobbling and we we didn't square up right then but later on the weather broke and got on some but um they it's it's definitely they they got the populations out there i love heading out west i think this year i don't have any westerly uh 
adventures planned, but next year I'm kind of thinking Texas is going to be on my map. So, And you need to go, brother. Texas has got my heart as well, man. I, I love hunting Texas. There ain't nothing like chasing an old, western, beautiful Rio Grande turkey. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, certain parts of Texas, I think you can still kill. What, what's the kill limit down in Texas? Four. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a, a, um, a way to go, you know, capitalize mm. on it. So, You know, you were talking about, I know it's off subject from Texas. We're going to get back to Nebraska just for a second. You know, it was crazy. You are talking about colorful weather. When I was up, when I first time ever went up there, it was 80, 90 degrees back at home. There's people, because you know, back home in Mississippi, it's popular for people to ride creeks and ride the rivers and stuff on their four-wheelers. There was people back at home riding creeks and full wheelers and their and their bikinis and their swim trunks or their khaki shorts or whatever you know and and having a good time and and there I am up there in Nebraska where after right it was thirty five degrees freezing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean this was Memorial Weekend, so people were celebrating back at home riding the creeks and all that Memorial Weekend. There I am freezing to death chasing turkeys. So. Oh, yeah. It's it, 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 it different. I mean, it was still springtime for sure up northwest. So, yeah. And uh, and that's what that's what me and my lady are doing this year. We're going to Nebraska Memorial Weekend to go back turkey hunting. It's just to me. I think the best time to turkey hunt. Cause see, I hunted early season this past year, my buddy, because he was limited, so he just wanted to hit Nebraska last week of April. Yeah. Well, it was good. And we still had good success and tagged out, but the thing was, it was a little bit, just a touch tougher, not a lot, just a touch tougher because they were all hand up and all that. And I tried to tell them, dude, I'm telling you, from mid to mid the last week of May is the best time to hit it down here. So, you know, but he was just only limited. So I've learned very quickly, you know, if you're going to go hunt northwest, don't don't bother hit, hitting it first of May. You need to hit hit it right there from almost to the end. Yep. That is when gobblers are hot, and that's when you're going to kill them. Well, you know, I was telling somebody today, I was talking to somebody, and I told them about that. Um, I'll just give you the kind of lowdown on it where it was. It was probably about three years ago, and I had this lease that I don't, uh, I don't have it anymore, but back during that i picked it up and i uh, was planning to hunt it and i wound up I, I i tagged out you know before i even got a chance to even you know go to that lease and so i started taking some uh some uh, you know some buddies of mine that wanted to get on birds and we'd get out there and um i was like my, my first time out there i was like damn there's a lot of birds out here so what you know we got on some birds got some birds killed well it was the the very last three days of season out there on that lease and um i had a a buddy that had all three of his tags still in his pockets and um we got out there though man and um it was like every day just phenomenal the the best hunting whole season i was like dad i mean i should have i should have held out on all my tags because i mean textbook they would just just read the script if you know what i'm saying and um that late season hunting i always tell people i was like don't give up you know because a lot of guys hang up their hat you know right there they they get a little frustrated right there through you know mid-april and they're like all right well i'm done but uh you know that's some of the best hunting back there in the 
in the latter part of the months for sure. You know, them, them hens went to the nest and you can get on them. Mm-hmm. See, my love and addiction for the wild turkey, I go the first day that opens and I'm planning on maybe this year. Maybe. If not this year, it will be one day. I'm going to go to Maine and turkey hunt in June. Just say, hey, I, I hunted the first day that opened and I hunted the last day that closed. You know, I want to I be there when it when it first opens and when the last day it closes. Just to say I did it, you know. Yeah. I mean, for me, the reason I love to travel because, you know, I'm, I go by the laws. I, I follow the laws. And I actually go under the laws, meaning I don't really get my living with turkeys because, you know, we have a big decrease in turkey population all across the country. Mm. Mississippi is suffering. We are suffering. And I will tell you, though, I've noticed this year there was an increase, thank the good Lord, but that don't mean you, everybody is going out there and pounding them. They ought to keep doing their job, killing the possums, killing the coons, killing the skunks, coyotes, kill the bobcats, the foxes, anything that can harm the wild turkey. So I, um, I only kill one bird a year on my place to keep the management going. So that's what I do. I mean, I, I kill one bird a year and just to keep, to keep the management going, and that's what I'm going to do again this year. And I actually pick up some more properties this year, so I'm going to kill one bird on my property. I'm going to go to the other property I have permission for, kill one on that one. The other one I have permission on, go kill one on that one and get my, and get my limit this year. So, and, and back to what I was saying, you know, I love to kill turkeys, you know, but I, I, I like to kill more than three. So I want to travel. So that's why another reason why, yes, I want to get a grand slam. That was the goal and I completed it. Thank the Lord above. I like to travel these different, different states. I can kill multiple turkeys the right way. That's so, right. you know, I usually try to, my, my goal every year, I always shoot for 10 birds a year. That's how many turkeys I kill a year is about 10. Yep. So yeah. this year, I'm hoping to kill 10 plus again this year, hopefully. Yeah. Well, it, and I tell you, it takes a lot to do that. I, um, somebody asked me, I think it was Tuesday, they was asking me, uh, what's the most I killed in a year? And I was trying to figure it up. And I believe I've, uh, my best year was nine, and that's and I travel too. Like this year, um, I'll I'll start out in Alabama, and then I'll hit you know I'll be hunting Virginia as well. But then I hit South Carolina, and then I'll hunt in Maryland, and then um, uh, finish off in New Jersey. And I'm planning to try to squeeze in West Virginia if I can get it worked out. But I'm kind of the same way, you know. It's like I I turkey season is so short. And I I love it so much that, I mean, you just got to pound it, man. You got to do like going back to what we were talking about earlier. You got to you got to do what you love, and that's what I love. You know, you got to get out there and grind right. for them. But um, you're right, man. I did uh, Maine last year. You were talking about that, and I went up there uh, right there around Memorial Day. It was, um, you know, kind of most of the states back. You know, back home we were closed out, and um, everybody was kind of finished up with season. I went up there, and um, I started out in uh, upstate New York, and made my way into Vermont. I hunted the Green Mountain National Forest up there, and then, um, and if if you're looking for a little um, a, an awesome trip in Vermont, I can fill you in on that one. 
but um the but then made my way from there on up into Maine and uh got my two birds and uh man I tell you what you talk about you know I I, I brag a lot about hunting out west but I was in Maine and that first morning in Maine I guarantee you that there were like I mean you know how like sometimes when coyotes get to going it sounds like there's a hundred of them but really it's probably only like five that's how this was with the turkeys man there in my mind i was like man there's got to be 35 40 turkeys up in there they were just every damn direction i could hear turkeys just cutting up and uh every turkey sound in the world up and 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 it it was kind of like a little bit of a um it, it wasn't super you know country type um habitat it was kind of on the outskirts of town so to speak and so you could hear highway and everything but there, there's a lot of turkeys up in maine it's was some great hunting for sure absolutely and that's why i want to go up there one day and be able to experience that experience that one day you know i mean if i can pull it off this year that'll be great that a buddy of mine told me he was gonna go and he told me to tag along so if that if that's still in the books, we're going. We're going to try it. But if not, I mean, one day I'm gonna do it because I mean that's just. I'm working on a 49 slam, but I ain't in no hurry doing it, man. I'm just hitting one step at a time. See, I never killed in Kansas, and I've never killed in Missouri. I'm trying. I'm shooting, maybe, just maybe. I don't know. I got a few connections in Arkansas. On the way home, we might stop stop in Arkansas see if I can just knock that knock that bird out. So yeah. we're gonna play that one by ear and see what happens. Well, that so. you know, I, I, jumping back on Vermont, um, those those New England states are like loaded with some birds, and uh, Vermont's the only one I've hit so far. But um, ver- this particular spot in Vermont, I'll, I'll have to uh, send you some info on it and. It's uh, a lot of birds in there, and you can you can do a kind of a it's it's total public property, but you can do a great hunt. And probably, honestly, man, I've hunted all over the country, and it's right there. It ranks in probably some of the the top, in my opinion, as far as where I've been, and you know, especially for um, what I had to put into it because public land, and you know, by the time with the food and board and everything, it was like. It was probably one of the cheapest hunts, you know what I mean? But just a great time I had up there. The weather was kind of crummy and uh, had a had a slow day on the last day. But, man, it was a great hunt. I'll have to fill you in on that one. Heck, yeah, man. Uh, you know what? I will definitely be in contact with you on that because that is – I'm going to have to hit Vermont one day. So if I'm going to go to Maine, I'm going to hit up. Yep. I'm definitely going to hit up Vermont on the way up there to Maine for sure. Yep. Well, man, we've been, we've been getting after it for over an hour, and I know that you know we could probably keep on going, um, but it's truly been a pleasure. And I I told you, you know, earlier like last week or two weeks ago when we were talking, I I'd mentioned, but you're, uh, you know, when you're ready to hit Virginia, you let me know, and we'll get something planned up, and um, I'll I'll tie one up on a tree or whatever we got to do, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but I appreciate it, man. Look. I would definitely keep you in mind of that. Yeah. Only place I've hunted was West Virginia. I didn't get to kill, but dude, I'm gonna tell you, that's some beautiful country out there. Oh yeah. Well, I, I've got uh, I've got some contacts that you know we can work on getting you on some other places. But um, 
you know, I can probably get you in North Carolina and uh, Virginia for sure. But uh, but I, well, here in Virginia, no doubt about it, man. We'll we'll sync up and get you on on something when you're ready. If we don't get to it, you know, this year, maybe we can start kind of carving it out and make sure it happens next year. You know that I. Well, you know how it is. This time of year, we've kind of already got our year booked up, and I coach softball too. So it's like I'm when I look at my calendar, I'm like, Lord, how am I going to pull off some turkey hunting? But we all know what prioritizes, you know. So, but uh, absolutely, and I got big priorities coming up too, man. Some big ones. So, man, I, I know that. So my turkey, my traveling is going to slow down just a little bit. Other than my guided clients, I got a guide for which that's that's priority because i mean that's that's income for me and my family sure. but other than that i'm gonna be slowing down just a little bit myself you know until we get the priorities right on track and once we get them on track and everything's looking good then you know i'll pick my traveling back up and try to finish out my 49 slams so you know that's 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 so i mean i'm never gonna stop traveling no but it's going to slow down just for a little while, man, because, you know, when it comes to family, family comes first and don't, and, you know, that's one thing. I, I had a competition caller tell me, because I know we're just in the show, you know, there was, I had I had a man tell me, and his name was Tucker Crisp. He's actually a native here in Mississippi. He said, as a competition caller, you know, that shows your true passion and love for the outdoors and also for the wild turkey. He said, but your addiction for competition calling can also take a toll on your life where it literally will take over your life where, you know, it just takes out the priorities of your family and all that. You know, I I had to put that in control now, you know, that I got a family here and I can't let that take over my life. And, you know, no matter what, turkey hunting is always going to be, is always going to be part of who I am and it's in my blood, but my, but my family your family and family in general for everybody always comes first before the wild turkey don't ever let that destroy your family life ma'am yeah and I'm, and I'm telling you that from experience for sure and that's that's why i always emphasize to folks i'm like man get your kids out there I, you know i know it's kind of a going back to to the wild turkey but you know if you love it so much make sure take take some time and get your wife get your kids out there and spend some time with your family and like keep on passing that that you know your love for it on with them because um you know that's what's going to keep it alive but you know once they get that that the hooks in them that they won't be able to stand it i don't think so but oh yeah absolutely once that addiction is in your blood it's in you it's like um it's like a disease man there's no cure for for it. Once it's in you, you can never get rid of it. It's it's in your blood. That's All right. you can do is maintain it. That's the only way you can do it. That's old Ben Rogers. He he. That's what he said. He said it's a damn disease, and it's the truth, man. It's like it. Once it hooks in, it's, that's it. It's you can't stand it. So, yeah. Um, I he always talked about. Uh, I had his CDs like long ago. They they transferred them from tapes to CDs, but. And I don't know where they're at now, but he always talked about that, um, you know, a man will sacrifice a job and, um, you know, some, some folks probably do let it creep into their family life, you know, and, um, I, I don't, I would certainly not advocate that, but, 
You know, it's it's. You know, that's that's just the thing. I'm not mentioning no names, but it's a couple competition callers I compete with. The addiction for the for the life of turkey hunting competition calling, it did it destroyed their marriages. Believe it or not, mm. that's how real the addiction is for the wild turkey. People have never done it, you know, and I and I encourage people to get out there and do it. And that's just the thing to some people, to to some, not a lot, but to some that do, that does it, they're like, eh, it's okay. But the ones that never done it and actually tried, it has actually became a true addiction, and they live for it. it you know, it's come to a point it came overly obsessed, and it destroyed their marriage. So that's why I said it. And like like Ben Lee said, what I just said, it's a disease. It is a true real disease it's an addiction that once it's in you you can't get it out yeah you're right all you can do is maintain it that's all you can do no i i totally agree with that you know there's you know it's, it's easy to get ate up with it for sure so but um oh yes it is that gobble is addicting man <laughs> yeah well it won't be long now we'll be out there you know pounding ground looking for them so i'm I know I'm looking forward to it, and I look forward to the opportunity to, you know, share a tree with you sometime. So we'll have to make sure and make that happen. All right, man. Hey, dude. I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it, and we will make it happen, brother. I'm gonna make a promise to you over this podcast right now. We're gonna make it happen. All right. Well, y'all heard it there, right, right there first from the man himself. So, so guys, I appreciate y'all tuning in to us, and. uh you know, you guys stick around and be practicing because it's only, we're only a few, what, uh, about five, six days out there in Mississippi and then uh, going to be opening up all over the country here pretty soon. So y'all be working on them calls and getting ready because it's going to be time here just shortly. So, but Travis, I, I really, truly appreciate you carving out some time with me tonight and look forward to hunting with you and uh, wish you luck and uh, hope you have a good spring. And I, I think we'll maybe get us a little phone call here uh, at the end of season and see how we did and catch up again, all right? Sounds like a plan, my brother. And this is my final quote I'm going to say. You know, for people that's wanting to improve your turkey calling, get out there and go listen to wild turkeys because it will make your success a lot higher. So my famous quote that I like to tell people when they go out in the woods, do not go in there as a turkey hunter go in there as a turkey and be as realistic as, as possible and your success rate be a lot higher everybody everybody's listening to this podcast i hope y'all have a wonderful blessed season y'all be sure to follow me on facebook under travis ham just find just push that follow button and you can watch my adventures wherever i work on each each state I hit up to chase the wild gob- the wild turkey. I'm just chasing my gobble, living the dreams up, and doing what I love. So God bless everybody. Y'all have a wonderful night. Y'all have a good one. All right. Yeah, there you go, guys. But uh, I appreciate y'all tuning in, and we'll be uh, cutting some more of them out here pretty soon. And like I said, turkey season just right around the corner, so you guys be – um, practicing them calls and make sure and get ready because it it's just right around the corner so, uh, corner for us. So, but Travis, I appreciate it, man. And um, we're gonna cut out for now. So you guys have a good night.